everybody, and welcome to At The Devil's Ball. Uh, I am Nathaniel. And I am too hot to handle, too cold to hold. I meant to learn the whole rap, but it didn't work uh, out that way. Um, but <laughs> we're yes, not good at rap. No. Um, uh, so we're, it's, uh, it is uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve. Um, and uh, as always, we try to do something that's New Year's Eve related. We're going to run out really quickly. Like within yeah. two years, like there won't be any more. Um, like watchable ones, at least. Yeah. So. Um, not that many uh, horror, horror adjacent films uh, take placing taking place around New Year's. Um, uh, this week, of course, we are though we are talking about Ghostbusters Two, uh, released in 1989. Um, that takes place predominantly around New Year's Eve, um, and uh, and yeah. So the, this is at the Devil's Ball that we uh, talk about horror and horror adjacent films in a. Uh, Positive and constructive manner. Uh, should be too hard. Ghostbusters two is pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, so Sam will run us uh, run our uh, vitals and uh, and we'll get started. Um, we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk about the movie. We'll talk about uh, about uh, our year in review and uh, and we'll uh, we'll get you on out of here. So all right, <laughs> all right, let's do it. All right. Uh, so Ghostbusters two was released on June sixteenth of nineteen eighty nine. Uh, had a budget of about 37 million, did about 215 million dollars in the box office. Uh, obviously, the sequel to Ghostbusters, um, mm-hmm. and kind of in that same vein of uh, Ghostbusters, but also worked in a little bit more of real Ghostbusters cartoon into it here and there, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it was uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. Uh, written by uh, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, um, and Ivan Reitman. Uh, now everything doesn't want to work with me today. That's all right. Sorry, folks, but I had technical difficulties all day on my end. Uh, so if anything goes shithouse, blame me. Uh, <laughs> well, so uh, of course. Right. Of course, uh, Bill Murray played uh, Dr. Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Dr. Raymond Stans, Harold Ramis as Dr. Egon Spangler, uh, Ernie Hudson as Winston Zedmore, Sigourney Weaver as, comes back as uh, Dana Barrett, Rick Moranis coming back as Louis Tully, Annie Potts coming back as Janine Melnitz. We've got a uh, great character actor, Peter McNichol, as uh, Dr. Janos Puha. No, we'll get into him a lot, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harris Eulin as the judge. Uh, Dave Margillis as the mayor of New York. Kurt Fuller stepping into the kind of Walter Peckish role of uh, Hardemeyer, the mm-hmm. mayor's assistant. Uh, we've got Janet Margolin as the prosecutor. Uh, Wilhelm von, let me see if I can get this right, Hamburg as uh, Wigo, the Carpathian. Vigo, you are like yes. the buzzings of flies to him. <laughs> uh, he was obviously the physical manifestation of uh, Vigo, but uh, uh, Max von Sydow did the voice yes. of, of him. And uh, I, I guess that's about that's it for the main cast. We got um, pretty much. If you want to credit the, the Duchendorf's yeah. twins as uh, as Oscar and their only you know role. Yeah, I guess they were like the nephews of John Denver. I didn't know that until. Looking stuff oh. up for this, huh. you know, it yeah. doesn't apply anywhere, but it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, right, so you want to get some, you want to get some New Year's Eve stuff out of the way before we start talking about. Uh, sure. Let's just do let uh, let's let's do the uh, the chatter. Um, probably should have done it before <laughs> before. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously, this episode we uh, we actually planned to record this like what like two weeks ago, and it didn't yeah. happen. You got your COVID booster, I got bronchitis, uh, right. and then we were supposed to do it again. And we were like, oh, let's put it off. Um, so we're uh, and, and now time. I may have COVID. We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, you haven't been tested yet. Yeah. Well, the CDC right. says you should wait uh, five to seven days to test if you're asymptomatic. Yes. And you're boosted. So yeah. I got to do it like tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Cause got, yeah. Cause the, uh, uh, the cut test will come back negative due to the vaccine doing what it's supposed to do. Right. Um, so I got, I got, uh, uh, exposed to it on Christmas Eve. So that was awesome. Right. right. Got to spend Christmas at home instead of visiting, you know, the parents, but got to do um, what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that sucks. But, uh, I mean, that's our responsibility. Yeah. That's how Lori and I did it anyway. I mean, that's yep. our, our, obviously that was our plan was you know right. we didn't go anywhere but uh we did go out for christmas we did go out um the day before christmas eve to go see nightmare alley which was good right um and then i saw spider-man which was okay um but yeah the um but yeah so the holidays are are, are finishing up um so yeah last week yeah last year we did end of days which was a lot of fun um and uh that what we tried to do i think we we talked a little bit about um our new year's resolutions in that episode what we wanted mm-hmm. to do for the year uh and we actually kind of accomplished them um which is yep. kind of amazing um you wanted to do more art and we mm-hmm. you started doing that um mm-hmm. i wanted to get out of my comfort zone and uh and invite some guests and boy did i um yeah. we got uh we got some pretty uh pretty pretty great people on uh since then um uh including the mads which is, right. uh, which is huge. Uh, uh, Nick McNulty, Nick McNulty. Um, I got him to come on the show. So, I mean, uh, as far as New Year's Eve resolutions, do you have any, have anything, any goals we want to hit for 2022? Uh, you know, world domination. Um, yeah. There's always that. Try to take over the world. <laughs> right. Um, uh, no, I, I got a, you know, personal goal. I got to um, make some progress on, on the book that I'm working on. But uh, other mm-hmm. than that, yeah, I think mine is only, and it's something we haven't really talked about yet. But I was, I'm, I, I still have uh, uh, expansion thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, and possibly uh, doing Patreon exclusive stuff like everybody else. Um, okay. But uh, but we, I mean, obviously we haven't discussed it. Um, and of course, I make solo projects. But I mean, as of right now, I'm I'm uh, I'm more focused on I have to get my own place right. in the next like month or so. And uh, so that's stressful, but I got to get that done before I can really focus on any side projects. But that's still, yeah, same as you. I think it's all private goals. I don't know about the show itself. I mean, obviously, keep doing what I've been doing, like trying to get get some big games. I'm hoping to get to nail somebody down for February, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, but I just think it's remarkable that we actually achieved um, our, uh, our news resolutions, what we talked about last year, where it was like, you know, you know, you wanted to get some to do some artwork, and that, that and that happened. I wanted to get some 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 big name, bigger names on the show, and, and go out of my comfort zone and get some people I didn't really know. And I did that. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, that's really cool. So, I mean, I think that's a really cool thing to note that I feel like we uh, we had a good year yeah. in terms of achieving our our goals. Um, but yeah, so other than private goals, so we don't have anything really for the show. Mm. Um, I do want to say I want to keep, you know, I want to keep getting some other people I want to get. Uh, and um, 
it's something we didn't really focus too much on, but I would love to get more like first timers on the right. show too. I think there, um, but uh, people who aren't, uh, especially people who've never done podcasts before, I find like I, there's a lot of people out there that I think are really interesting, and we don't, mm-hmm. but they don't usually do them. And I'm like, do them; they're fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to make that note, I guess that, uh, you know, our, for, as far as new year's is, I mean, obviously we had our anniversary show and that was more like we've had a year, like, so, and this doesn't feel too much like new year's anyway. No. Like, it hasn't even, yeah. It hasn't even felt like Christmas really. Like, new. I mean, our Christmas, our Christmas Eve here in Missouri was 70 degrees. Yeah, and sunny so it was you know hasn't felt much like christmas so but yeah so um i guess chatter over um <laughs> ghostbusters 2 uh so obviously this is a movie that um actually i was going to note that last christmas we did scrooged right which was a movie that like nobody involved in the making of scrooge liked move like scrooged Mm-hmm. This one's kind of like that. Like nobody, yeah. nobody involved with the making of Ghostbusters Two is actually particularly likes Ghostbusters Two, um, and uh, so it, that's familiar territory for us. But also, I think it's interesting that Ghostbusters Two is also a movie that I think went through a stage um, that like nobody liked it, and then now it's come back around that like people are like, "Hey, Ghostbusters Two is really good." Um, like, I feel like it's gotten back to it's, it, I think it was well, liked. like the kids saw it and we'll talk about that. Cause obviously the, uh, the kids are, are, uh, an aspect here for Ghostbusters too, in a big way, but the film was also, um, uh, but I think that people liked it as a kid, then they grew up and kind of like sided with Bill Murray, like Ghostbusters two, isn't very good. And then it got rediscovered, I think, and it's come back around to kind of being a movie that everybody's like, oh, Ghostbusters two is really good. Um, do you think Ghostbusters 2 is good? Taken on its own, it's pretty good. Um, you know, I think the people who run into problems are just, you know, comparing it to the first Ghostbusters, which is, you know, uh, a, a nigh unbeatable film, in yes. my opinion. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, earned every bit of its cultural cachet. Um, so to come back to that, you know, five years later to kind of change the formula a little bit, you know, kitty it up a little bit i think mm-hmm. didn't earn it a lot of respect um but i i personally like it um you know i've grew up with it as well mm-hmm. um you know the summer of 89 was like kind of the summer where i became you know where i became a fan you know right. <laughs> instead of a man because i mean that summer was you know just huge it was uh batman it was ghostbusters 2 it was uh mm. indiana jones and the last crusade back to the future 2 um uhf even you know i was one of the four people who saw that in the film in the theater yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it was such a you know a, a banner year at the bender house <laughs> so to speak um smoke up john <laughs> that is like i think if it wasn't such a huge summer for you know huge films i i think it would be a a bigger contender than it is today um but yeah, I don't. I don't think you know. Thinking that this movie is crap is is fair. It's no. good. It's not great. It's you know. No, there's there's a we'll lot get, of problems. Right, we'll get into that. I'm yeah. sure, sure. But like the you know the pacing is a little weird. Yeah. Um, you know the they they changed it 
in some ways, but in a lot of ways, it's almost like, you know, run through of the same plot points as the first. I mean, mm. it's, you know, it's, it's not perfect, no, but no. it's Ghostbusters. You know, it's, it's still good. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, it's the thing is, is that I'm like looking at this movie. It's, I mean, obviously that was the whole, that's the background for this movie was that Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters have been a huge hit for, right. uh, uh, for Columbia pictures. Um, and, um, and so they wanted a sequel and it had become a surprise hit with the kids. You yeah. know, the, so the, the merchandising and then a cartoon show uh, was huge. I mean, we talked about a little bit during our right. uh, Halloween special about, you know, I had the Ghostbusters pajamas and the, right. and the sheet I had the, and the, and the, I had the proton pack and, you know, yeah, all that stuff yeah, and the toys and all of it. Yeah. Um, it was a huge hit for the kids. Um, yeah. And, and surprisingly, surprisingly, I don't think anybody expected it to be um, when they made right. the film. And um, so what happens is basically Columbia Pictures says we want a sequel and everybody says no. Um, They're like, we don't want to do that at all. Um, We made a great standalone film that was uh, really successful. We don't really want to to do that. And Columbia Pictures was like, there's a lot of money on the table. So um, they're basically like, you know, you know, if you guys don't make it, we're we're gonna. I mean, yeah, yeah. they kind of boxed them in in a way that, you know in the kind of similar way that they did to like John Carpenter with Halloween too. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You, know? you need to be involved. Yeah. Um, and so they, they went, uh, Bill Murray, of course, has gone on record as saying that he felt like he was tricked into doing this film. Right. Um, of course, Bill Murray, mm-hmm. not particularly well known for being easy to work with um, right. anyway, but also Murray uh, uh, only did the first one because uh, they, they offered to fund the razor's edge. Uh, right. He didn't want to do the original film. Um, he wanted to focus more on dramatic roles and then they kind of got him to do it by offering him um, a, another project. Uh, so, I mean, he, he claims, and so like they got together and said they, they hammered out a story and created what kind of became known as like sort of the Ghostbusters Summit, which was basically the reason why Ghostbusters 3 never right. happened. Because right. it, they basically made it so uh, Aykroyd, Ramis, Murray, and Reitman all had to be like unanimously on board. Right. Which basically meant that you know Bill Murray was never going to say no yeah. forever. Right. Um, after that point, um, even though he did come back to do the go- the video game, uh, mm. which he called Ghostbusters Three for a long time, right? Um, he of course cameoed in uh, in the 2018 Ghostbusters, mm. uh, small role there, and then of course he, uh, I guess from what I said, spoilers. I guess I haven't seen Afterlife, but I guess he's nor in have it. I. But I guess he's in it. Um, yeah. But. Um, I didn't. I didn't see Afterlife because it looked terrible. Um, right. But yeah, um, I'm. I'm not gonna. I have to be really picky and choosy about which theaters I go to these days with everything going on. And um, I wasn't gonna. Yeah. First of all, I'd have to like drag Jen against her will because she has you know zero interest in seeing it. Yeah. And I have maybe you know one two percent interest in seeing it. So it's like, why am I gonna waste a? Yeah. Same thing here. Like, the coin I, on that. You know. I asked Lori. I was like, "Do you want to see Ghostbusters?" She's like, "I'll see it if you mm-hmm. want to go." And I was like, "Honestly, I don't feel a particular right. compunction to go." Um. But because um, I got everything I wanted basically out of the uh, the video game for a three. Um, that's that's I played a little bit of the Ghostbusters video game um, and I liked right. what I played of it. But yeah, supposedly that the story that's a, that's a pretty common yeah. statement was that uh, anything you might possibly want out of a Ghostbusters three is in that game. And even that was like this where they just kind of, you know, reused the beats and the purposes and, you know, the backstory yeah. from mostly the first one there's actually not a whole lot of the second movie referenced in the game yeah um there's there's 
at least as far as story beats, like slime is a big part of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, you get a slime blower addition to your proton pack and have to, you know, deal with like, you know, negative slime and negative slime monsters. But as far as plot wise, like Vigo is a painting in the back room of the, the firehouse. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And you can go up to him and talk to him and he yells at you basically. That was like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was also Max von Sydow doing the voice in the games, which was kind of cool. That is pretty um, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, so uh, but anyway, so basically, this movie gets made, uh, and uh, supposedly, according to Bill Murray and according to uh, a couple of other people involved mm-hmm. as well, what immediately happens is they're they're all told they're going to have creative control, right, of what happens, and then immediately that turns out to not be true. That right. they, as soon as they begin production, uh, Columbia Pictures steps in and. Uh, as Ernie Hudson called it, uh, kind of kidded up the movie, right? Where they were like, "We need this to be more kid friendly," yeah. which is kind of like I, I, which is one of those times where I'm looking at it and being like, well, "What did they think was going to happen?" Um, yeah. You know, like uh, you know, consuming... I don't think they were terribly aware of the cartoon, uh, yeah. Any of the cast, I mean, I'm sure they knew it existed. I'm sure, yeah. you know, yeah. But they didn't watch it. They didn't know what it was about, and it really feels more like a. a an adaptation of the cartoon than a, than a sequel to the first in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I think that's probably true. Yeah, which is you know makes good sense from Columbia's point of view, but yeah, I mean yeah. it probably wasn't it sold them. No, and of course, of course, Dan Aykroyd, you know, has always been let's make more Ghostbusters. So I don't know how how yeah. on the, on that he was or not, but I know from what I understand, an Aykroyd's point of view of this particular film has been that he blames himself for more mm-hmm. of his problems. Um, that he just felt like the script wasn't strong enough to begin with. Right. Um, but and you're uh, trying to cut, ca- you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle. Like there's yeah. no way on earth the first film should have worked. I no, mean, no, especially I mean, if you go back to the original, you know, script for it. Like it was, it was, it was a bad, bad concept. It was a bad script. Yeah. Bad yeah. script. Um, and yeah, they that- kind of reworked it from zero to make it something that was, you know, decent. And then it was the performances that pushed it over, over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I know Ernie Hudson has said that he doesn't like this movie. Right. Um, he said that it was he, he said it was because they they made it more kid friendly. It is kind of the problem. Right. Rick Moranis called it a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Wilhelm von Humburg uh, was not uh, made aware <laughs> yeah. that his lines were going to be looped by Max von Sydow and was pretty. And that guy's, yeah, he, I guess he walked out of the theater when he realized yeah. that at the opening, which is kind of a dick move to do to somebody, even if, you know. He himself is a piece of shit, but it's yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like, and of course, Bill Murray doesn't like it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like a lot of cast members don't particularly care for the film. They, they, they mostly blame it on the studio making things more kid friendly, toning that, which supposedly, supposedly was toning down the jokes and mm-hmm. reworking a lot of special effects ideas. Right. In favor of making things a little bit more pg than pg-13 um yeah. that said there's still a couple of cool ghost sequences in this movie but um yeah um, um i think the effects are pretty outstanding um yeah, yeah. ilm did the effects for this one mm-hmm. and i can't remember who did the effects for the for the first but it wasn't them and like everything looks like it could belong to the same universe it's a little more cartoony obviously um in a lot of ways but i mean there's sliper in the first one that's you know that's not exactly realistic <laughs> to begin with, uh, although they made him a little cartoonier in this one, even than that. Um, so yeah, 
I can't hear you. Oh, uh, there's no. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, there's um, yeah, the the Slimer's like hanging around the firehouse for some reason. Like, right. it, yeah, and it's just because it, he did, wasn't the cartoon. Um, <laughs> and I'd love to know if they even bothered explaining that to anybody. Um, yeah, and, and, like while they're making it, like, and the Slimer's here, they're like, wait, what? Well, he interacts with nobody but Rick Moranis, so I think right. probably he was shot after the fact. Um, yeah. I, that's my assumption with pickups with Rick Moranis to be like, you're going to react to a ghost now. Right. Um, Although I guess there's a lot of deleted scenes from this one that I've only seen a few of, but yeah, there's according, I guess, some of it, including Slimer, and then also mm-hmm. um, um, uh, uh, Ray being possessed was the big, big one. I yeah, think. there's a yeah, there's a yeah, there was a car, there's a car chase or something, uh, car right. accident sequence that Ray tries to crash the Ecto one, and um, right. that was cut. Um, and then uh, Fuller, Fuller's uh, assistant mayor character is killed. Mm-hmm. In the right. original version, and that's cut um, because they didn't want to kill him off. I guess because for the kids, I guess. Right. But um, but it's kind of yeah. weird. Like he just kind of disappears from the plot entirely. You know. Yeah, he gets fired, and then he shows right. up at the end. He's at, he's out front of the museum, right? Cheering, uh, yeah. singing along. Um, uh, yeah, it, we don't really know what what goes on between that there. Uh, not that he needed to. Right. Uh, no. You know, his his purpose was done. His purpose yeah. is finished, but. Uh, and even he, I think, was supposed to be. They couldn't. They couldn't get um, Atherton. Atherton, William Atherton yeah, back. Right. Uh, they originally it was supposed to be Walter Peck again, mm-hmm. and they uh, they couldn't get him back, so they reworked the character and, and hired a, a wonderful uh, character actor. Yeah. Uh, Fuller, uh, Kurt Fuller. Kurt Fuller, uh, who's done a, a <laughs> quite a, a quite a lot. Um, very funny man. Um, right. And uh, so yeah, I mean, they they brought him in. Um, to to do that role instead uh and he has his he's pretty memorable as a as a uh flunky villain um uh so i mean obviously this movie it's it's like pretty much every single major principal cast member except william atherton is back in this movie from the first one um including david margolis as uh as Mayor. mayor um uh who why he's still mayor um But uh, well, I, I I think a lot of that, you know, if, if I was going to head candidate, would be the fact that, um, you know, after the events of the first movie, um, there's that initial high where everybody's, you know, hey, the mayor saved us, the Ghostbusters saved us, and then it starts turning into like, you know, them getting sued by every, what is it, local, county, and state yeah. office <laughs> in New York, um, yeah. and being, you know, basically turned to char- charlatans. Like, um, I think he probably rode the crest of that wave as well. He knew what. You know, knew what was going on, and he's like, "We're gonna get those Ghostbusters, or yeah, make them yeah. pay for the damage they did." And you know, mm. so he probably got probably got reelected on that. He's he's not a stupid man. Yeah, yeah. But can you? Wouldn't the term limits basically come? I don't know. No, that there's. I don't think there's term limits in New York at that time. No, no, no. no. It's like three term mayor. Um, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, the um, but yeah. So I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, 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 via Facebook, where uh, this movie is actually kind of hard to pin down. Um, right. Not a, a, a deep read of this movie is actually kind of difficult because it's so familiar. Um, I've seen this movie a million times. I know yeah. you have too. Um, and it's so it's like we. So what's interesting is I think we both ended up keying in on the same thing because you mentioned it on on social media as well. Which I was I was trying to find some sort of handhold to mm-hmm. to really 
dig into this. And I realized it was the one, it, there was one aspect of this movie that I think gets overlooked a lot, which mm-hmm. is Peter McNichol, right. um, the character of Janos. Yes. Um, and so I, I kind of went into the movie like thinking, I'm gonna, I, I came up with a thesis statement based on memory and wanted to see if it would hold mm-hmm. up. It did not. Um, and basically, you had said online, you kind of like that Janos is sort of the original incel. Right. Um, and I think that you're because yeah, it's always fun. It's always fun trying to figure out who is the first incel in media. Yeah, so <laughs> and he's pretty close to, yeah, to being this, an incel. This character is absolutely that. Um, right. And I, but I, my thesis statement when I was looking mm-hmm. to go back into the movie and, and try to find something to really focus on was I was like, well, wait a minute, Janos isn't that bad. He's he's possessed, right? right? Like he's. Uh, and I was like, so I'm, I'm going to watch for that and see, like, you know, if we're trying to figure out if this guy, because obviously he gets, he's okay at the end of the movie. Like they just blast him with good slime and he's like, I love you guys. And they're like, okay, great. <laughs> right. Um, and I was like, well, wait a minute, that's a little weird. If he's actually like a bad guy, he kind of gets away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watched the movie with that thesis and it did not, it, the movie immediately destroyed it being like, no, no, Janos is the most evil guy in this whole movie. Right. Uh, even I, like even more so, pro- uh, you know, even more so probably than the actual genocidal ghost. Uh, I, I don't know about that, but I mean, you know, well, definitely, is, definitely unpleasant. Janos is selling out his friggin' people. All right? right. Like he's he's like, oh, genocide. No problem. I'm OK right. with that as long as I get what I want, um, which is the which is, you know, the Gordon Weaver and, a, and apparently a really nice apartment <laughs> right. in New York um, yeah. and free parking. Free parking right. is a big deal for him. Um, it's New York. That's, it's New that's York. a big deal for yeah, everybody. It's a big deal in New York. Yeah. But um, but so, I mean, I was watching from that perspective and, uh, and just realizing, I was like, okay, yeah, this character is is actually pretty reprehensible. Like, he's actually, yeah. like, pretty evil. Because um, as we discussed online, he comes in, his first scene is him telling them to put the, the painting over the corner. And then immediately he turns to the person nearest him and goes, everything you are doing is bad. I want you to know that. I want you to know this. Yeah. And then he goes from that over to like, you know, creepily close to Dana and touching her and making what is obviously a, you know, one in a series of unwanted advances and, you know, asking for dates for her. And I'm like, oof. I, I but mm-hmm. Peter McNichols is awesome. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess he basically, you know, came up with all that character on his own. I was going to say that's absolutely um, what I had taken away from it as well. Right. You know, he had gone and decided, you know, I guess it was like his name was like Jason or something in the script. And he's like, well, what if, you know, I make him Carpathian himself and I come up with this whole backstory of him and, you know, this whole character of him and like everything works perfectly. Yeah. Like he turns him into, you know, the Renfield of, of the piece. Yes. Um, and you know, up until when I was looking into this film, like I would have never guessed that it wasn't in the script like that. No, I, it, just, I, it fits fits so well. Well, what I noticed, what what I was looking at when I, when paying attention to this character was, I was like, well, it has to all come from McNichol because the script doesn't have anything have much for him to do. Right. Um. He, he basically, as you pointed out, he's just a Renfield. That's all. Basically, mm-hmm. his only real actual function in the yeah. script is to be Vigo's human agent. Um, he does a couple creepy things, but he's not, we don't know anything about him. No, we're not told anything about him. Um, so obviously almost all of it had to come from Peter McNichol being like, I'm going to create a character and I'm going to tell you a lot of stuff about him based on how he behaves. Um, 
in, in scenes, which is you get the idea that here is a man who who feels he's entitled. Um, yeah. You know, he's uh, he's he's very wormy, um, but very much convinced that he's deserving of right. something great. Um, and in fact, and he's, I, but he's hmm? good. Sorry, I was gonna say. In fact, I was reminded of uh, a professor in college i'd never made this connection prior even though i'd seen the movie many times since uh since i had this professor i only had him for right. a couple of weeks because he was janos um <laughs> but he wasn't european but anyway this professor right. was uh he was this really kind of sad individual where mm-hmm. uh he was a small man which is so am i you know i'm right. five foot four on a good day he's probably five six um, but he would specifically go out of his way to make sure that his wardrobe was like a combination of fashion and power. Mm. Um, and, uh, and he was bald, but he was bald in a way that he made clearly designed a bald look for himself rather than right. bald. Um, right. He uh, was buff. He, he bulked up. He was obviously went to the gym a lot, but it was clear that he went to the gym a lot to make everything about him was very much designed to be here's all my insecurities and i'm gonna i'm gonna prove to you that i'm not uh that i'm not a worm and i'm like and this guy was uh he was he was the most um he was easily the least popular professor in the english department um i don't remember his name um and uh he was uh he was a piece of shit i took his i took his class i took one of his classes for like two weeks and then i dropped it because he was such a such a tool um but um but it was just that concept of the guy of a of a man who was clearly never got over like being a nerd in high school, right? You know? um, and so he tr- did everything he possibly could to try to transform himself into somebody formidable, and that's all well and good. Um, but the thing is, mm-hmm. is if, you, if you're doing it for other people, you're not actually not doing it right yeah yeah you know that i'm like we're well, great for you that you transformed yourself into a he-man professor right everybody can still see right through you to knowing that you're kind of a piece of shit and yeah you, you know um nobody's and, impressed and uh, you know yadosh doesn't have to do any any of that shit no. like he's the head of restorations at the you know manhattan museum of, museum of art he's doc he's a phd right I mean, like, dude, yeah. like you have to know what you're doing to be yeah. able to do that there. Um, yeah. It's not like, you know, the 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 free museum in Sheboygan. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of the big museums in the world. And you're like in charge of the whole restoration department. Like mm-hmm. you could rest on your loyals and be it'd be a dork. It doesn't matter. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But he's he's still got to fight that. Yeah. And he's got he's showing a lot of uh, the wardrobe choices are very um, bohemian. Right. Uh, very trendy for the time, 1989. Um, right. And uh, obviously he's, you know, he's going to hit on Sigourney Weaver. Right. Um, mean, who but, wouldn't at least try once? I mean, I yeah. get that, but, you know, but 50 the thing times is, is plus that, every day. But the mm. thing is, is that obviously his his perspective is that she will will sleep with him. Right. Uh, based on how impressive he is. But he's not impressive. Right. Uh, he's a wormy little guy that no one really likes. Um, yeah. You know, instead of instead of figuring yourself out and becoming a likable person, you can create this identity for yourself, and and that's what I mean. It's not this same professor. I was like, you got your PhD be just to tell people to f to fuck off, right? Like right. that's yeah. Like you didn't actually care about this. You just wanted to impress people. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, that professor also one of the things that drove me out of the class was uh, for, was telling me a st- we told the story to the class about how he had um he ended up killing a, a nest full of baby birds uh, because he wanted because the the branch it was on was in the way of his barbecue uh, that he was only throwing to get grant money. Um. Wow. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he told the story about how he was having people over come over to his house so that he could wine and dine them for grant money. Mm-hmm. And this branch was in the way of, of the uh, of sunlight. Right. And so there was a, a bird's nest in the branch and he just destroyed it and mm-hmm. cut the branch down. And I'm like, you're kind of a piece and of that, shit. And he's like, what do you think? That's, that's a story you're proud of to tell. The that's a story okay. that you're like, OK, yeah, you, you feel yeah. OK to tell that story. OK. Um, bird murderer but uh, right. you know but yeah he was and of course then he um i he was one of those professors that like i want i don't want to get too sidetracked but mm-hmm. but anyway it was one of those professors that i was like hey i'm working overnights and like your class is hard to get to can you maybe just let me slide on the attendance policy right. and like work with me a little bit and he's like no no yeah, yeah. no uh my class is the most important thing that's ever going to happen to you in life and i went no it's right. not and he's like uh, one of those professors who like the first day say like you know, 80% of the people will either drop out or fail out of my class. Like, this is a problem with your class, not your students. That's it. There's a problem with your class, yeah. <laughs> right. saw the same guy went to a uh, a uh, seminar for um, distance learning right. uh, where they were talking about, like, we should probably improve distance learning because, you know, uh, we studies are now showing that we have all these young people who are actually um, uncomfortable socially like right. and you know actually the the in-classroom concept is actually sort of killing academia in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and he was like went to heckle them and right. yelling like i want students of natural charisma and i'm like you had one bro i am yeah i am yeah. the I'm no, what... your ideal student for your class but <laughs> right. you were at, you're such an asshole that like nobody wants to talk to you well um, when he says natural charisma he means people who can afford to not work and go to class <laughs> you know people who have have the means to go to class so yeah. to speak yeah and he also wanted i mean well that's the thing is he also wanted to like he was he was judging he, he wanted people that were like you know um you know i don't want those you know those worthless uh uncomfortable people i want you know active students and i'm like well right. but that's your problem bro you know like um you know that's the that's the whole that's the whole reason why distance learning exists is because those students are actually being made to feel uncomfortable because you're leaning on them. Um, You know, but it was, it was, it was all ridiculous. Anyway, he was a a real uh, piece of human garbage, but um, much like Janos. And that's what, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, But that's what I mean is that I, then he actually had the gall to tell me like, well, we'll work on it and then I'll help you withdraw from the class. And I'm like, I don't need you to help you withdraw from the class. I right. could just hit a button and withdraw from your class. Yeah. Ding and done. I did. Yeah, right. done. We're done. Um, but yeah, anyway. But anyway, I, I made that connection this time. Um, uh, realizing Anosh was sort of is that guy. Like right. those that that um, you know, here is a guy who is is very self-possessed, but the reason why he's self-possessed is because he's clearly spent his whole life not being liked. And rather than uh, rather than do any actual self-reflection as to why that might be. And make himself into a better person he's tried to show everybody up you know i i am uh you know and so that to me that's janos and i know and it's brilliant that peter mcnichol is just going to tell you all that 
um, without actually telling you all that. It's not in the script. There's no dialogue that him him going like, "Here's my backstory. Yeah, Here's how he I just all does it." He just shows and shows you through performance. Um, I am a scummy, scummy individual. Uh, because wasn't it, he? Didn't he didn't wind up being one of the leads on like Ally McBeal or something? He was a major character on Ally McBeal. Yeah. Okay, I never watched the show, but like, because I'm like, I only know for like his character actor roles, and I'm like, this guy needs more, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what he Big was. Roles, you right? Know, uh, it's another example of uh, the Ghostbusters. Both Ghostbusters movies, in my opinion, are mm-hmm. really good examples of what happens when you get um, comedy actors, right? Uh, doing a little bit more actual character work. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, uh, Ghostbusters. One of the reasons why Ghostbusters, I think, works so well is Bill Murray um, giving you a lot more than right. what Venkman is on the page. <laughs> in both films mm-hmm. i think this film he's got a lot going on too um but yeah i mean like uh but yeah you I mean peter mcnichol um is a comedy actor um mm-hmm. and comedian actor who does um who's giving you a lot more of a dramatic performance even while still being funny right um well yeah he's been in a shit ton of stuff a lot of voice work um yeah, he he's but yes, he was on Ally McBeal. Okay. And I think that's what probably like most people would know him from other than this, you know. Yeah. Uh but yeah, he's a very <sighs> famous, very famous character actor. Um he wasn't really at the time. He hadn't been in much uh, no. this. Um, but yeah, he um but yeah, I mean he's he's just given so much and it's it's really uh I think he's he's very overlooked. Um being oh, a in Ghostbusters too. I, I would have kind of liked to have seen him had a seen him had a scene with uh, Rick Moranis because I feel like he's like the evil Rick Moranis. Yeah. In, in I think this, um, be, uh, yeah. Oh, let's talk about Rick Moranis in this because I think Rick Rick yeah. Moranis in this is fucking adorable. Like he is. He's, he is. he's adorable and he fucks. Yeah. <laughs> like wow. Total yeah. like in the first one, he was like kind of annoying. He was he was kind of a nuisance. Yes, a little bit of a little bit of a pest today, no? yeah. and in this one, like, dude, he is like just like sixteen puppies in in one bag. Very true, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like the best way, yeah, too. Like that, and like, like I said, he gets he gets to you know get it out with Janine, which I think was you know any Ghostbuster fans' dream at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like he's still nebbish, he's still a dork, he's you know, but like he's got like so much confidence in this one that it's 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 great to see it. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more to the character. Um, even though, to the, for the life of me, I can't figure out exactly why he's there. Um, right. You know, that's uh, that's a problem with a lot of it. Yeah, like uh, screenwriting wise, I'm like, why is why is Lewis Tully back? But like, right. okay, um, you know, well, I, the, the the line they give were like, you know, he's like their lawyer. Yes. Like, he's yeah. their accountant. And he's, he's their accountant. Lawyer. Yeah. But like, he also is their lawyer because he, you know went to night school to become a lawyer was, you know, I guess all the reason you need yeah, for that. Yeah. I mean, well, no, I mean, in the particular film, like in the specifics, I get why, but like in the planning right. stages, like what, what are we having Louis Tully come back for? Yeah. Um, he was just the neighbor who turned into a terror dog, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He and... wasn't not. Uh, yeah. I mean, and yes, he was a fairly lovable character in the first. Right. Film. I mean, uh, and if you want to get intellectual about it, you, you he's the anti Janosch in the sense that, Right. uh lewis tully in the first movie is actually uh is actually ends up accepting right that dana is not going to sleep with him and actually right. decides to be nice about it 
like he mm-hmm. actually like he's been sort of like you know after her for a while but when she tells him she's got a date on the night he's like you okay mm-hmm. you can bring him along yeah come to the party and, anyway like <laughs> right like and, you know he's throwing these parties to you know to try to have friends and try to try to be well liked and he just doesn't know how to do it yeah very well uh whereas you know compare him to yano should you're like okay i see this that's why right. like they should have had like one scene you know one like even if it's just like he's like just he's like dude what are you doing stop yeah. you know yeah um, but yeah i mean like um and yeah, as you mentioned, like Moranis, I mean, like the the hookup with Janine is pretty interesting. Right. And by the way, and Annie Potts is so hot in this movie. It's ridiculous. It's, it's it should be ridiculous. How it should be illegal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be those guys, but I'm like, you know, I'm like watching yeah, this movie I going mean, like, holy shit, right? Like Annie Potts. Um, and I'm like, look, Annie Potts is an attractive woman, but like in right. general, this, like, like is... this, it's she's just a scorcher. Yeah, like she got I, that like you know late eighties punk vibe going. It's yeah, like, like weird, like kind of like you know punk rock meets Madonna meets right. uh, you know meets kind of uh, uh, hipster chic. I'm like, yeah, and I, I saw this when I was eleven, going on twelve. So you know, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm not even eleven <laughs> yeah. to twelve. I mean, I'm talking. Right. I watched this last week, and I was going like, right. I, I'm like, holy shit, am I hot for Janine Melnitz? Like, right. um, and I'm like, how did Egon not not snatch she, that shit up? You know, he might have, you know, after the film. We don't know. We but, don't know. Because yeah. she doesn't yeah, even, like, make moves on him. <laughs> yeah. Step aside, Lewis. Right. Um, but oh, anyway, the reason why he didn't is because he's gay. Let's let's be honest. Right. Egon. I, I guess canonically he's not. I guess he has children right. or something, according to Afterlife. I don't know. But I, I never got a gay vibe of him. I just kind of got an... Uh, Ace, asexual, asexual asexual yeah i would get he would have absolutely no interest in in right. romantic entanglements um or sexuality because simply it just wouldn't right. compute um yeah. but uh but yeah he um but yeah i mean like yes the 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 lewis tully and annie potts thing is is uh and, and janine Mellon's thing is really good um Giannis is really good so i mean i guess mm-hmm. that, that opens us up for the others um right in fact, we brought up Egon. Might as well talk about Egon. Um, um, I, I like hmm? I, one of my favorite things, and it's probably one of the very few things that I think makes sense between Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 mm-hmm. is the idea that Egon goes back to academia. Right. Because it's one of those things when I watch Ghostbusters every time, which I obviously did mm-hmm. along with this again, um, was that like one of those things about Ghostbusters that I'm like, that always so like to this day i'm like why did they go into business for themselves <laughs> right um they've they've proven the existence of right. of ghosts of an entirely new form of quasi mystical energy right um ectoplasm um they can read and they can actually produce it and reduplicate it which is the reason why right. ghost hunting is not accepted as a science yeah, in real life is because any results that are that anybody comes across cannot be reduplicated. Right, they can't show it again. Um, they can be like, "Well, we heard something when we recorded at this, you know, haunted hotel. We're pretty sure it's a ghost." And they're like, "Well, can you do it again?" Mm-hmm. No, like, no. Yeah. Um, it was a one-off. We don't have any other way to do it. These are guys who were like, "Well, we just proved mm-hmm. there's a ghost." And I get it that Columbia, that new uh, NYU kicks them out at the beginning of the right. first Ghostbusters. But that would be all the more reason, even for a con man like Peter to be like, look, I've been conning them with nothing. 
Um, right. Now I have something. Um, these two, these three PhDs find right. proof of the afterlife and their response is to become cockroach exterminators. Right. Um, and they also, they also build, you know, like nuclear particle accelerators that are like, you know, small enough right. to be carried around on their backs. So I'm sure there's, we created, there's, there's no uses for those, right? Not like only have we proven, energy. Not only have we proven ghosts, we have this whole new form of energy, but we've also created the technology capable of holding and detaining. Well, not even that. I'm saying, like, as an energy source, yeah. you could get a couple of those and run a city. I think. Yeah. Um, like, well, yeah. <laughs> like they, they go, in this movie, Egon outright says they have a half life of about four thousand years. Right. Um. Yeah. Like he's like, I we basically I, created tiny nuclear accelerators. Right. I I think I think one of the most clever things they did in this film was uh was having them broken up at the beginning and having just like the perfect jobs for them to be in currently. Yes. Um. Yeah, Egon goes back to academia, of course. He's he's the scientist of the group of scientists. I yes. mean, he's the one who doesn't go really on flights of fancy. He's like, you know, really detail oriented. And I can see him being accepted back to, to academia where the rest of them would not be. Mm -hmm. um, Ray opening the occult bookstore totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, not only not only for the character, but for Dan Aykroyd. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, because he was the one who was like, you know, into this stuff and that got him into the science it seems like yeah um and he's the one with you know the knowledge um i know in the ghostbuster cartoon they give a lot of that to to egon where egon's like the guy who knows all the stuff um as far as like you know spiritual lore and everything yeah but yeah. in this it's it's him. Mm -hmm. peter vankman is a tv show host yeah. <laughs> i mean come on and ernie hudson is just trying to make a living we don't even know uh, what he's doing Right, but he's got the side gig with Ray of doing the birthday parties for yeah. extra cash. Yeah, um, you know he's probably back working at a warehouse somewhere. You know, whatever it is he was doing somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly in the original film, uh, the script had uh, uh, had him come in much sooner, and actually he was originally supposed to be a doctor as well. Right. Um, and that was when they were trying to get Eddie Murphy. And they they screwed, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, they got him, and then they screwed him out of like ninety percent of the script. Yeah. Uh, which let's I want to talk about it in this because in this one they start from the beginning with Ernie Hudson and Winston Zedmore being the character that he is, and they still don't give him anything <laughs> to do. True. What it's the really fuck, dude? True. It's like, really I, true. We've talked before, and if we ever do Ghostbusters, I'm sure like ninety percent of what I say is going to be how much I love Winston Zedmore in the first mm -hmm. Ghostbusters because yeah. he's just the working staff. Yeah. And this like they give him less to do. I feel like in this than the other one yeah yeah it's it's, it's ridiculous um, considering that they knew i mean like one of the things that even Aykroyd had admitted he wasn't thrilled about the original ghostbusters was the short writing about of right zedmore that you think when they were writing ghostbusters 2 they'd be like more winston zedmore and, like let's and have even behind stuff. the scenes even behind the scenes they you know he does get a vote about ghostbusters 3 no know? no he's not uh, in the club yeah. Right. It's just, it's, it's sad. He's not part of the creative. Yeah. Not um, that he doesn't do anything here. I think um, like him showing up to the courtroom scene is, is cool because he's like, uh, you know, friends with them. Uh, he's not one of the ones that was arrested, obviously. So he's back no. in the gallery. Yeah. Um, and if you watch, like he's helping people get out of the courtroom when shit starts going Oh really? Sideways. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, he's helping people get out of the courtroom. Actually, in fact, that was anything. a question. I always wondered why he never comes. 
why he's not, <laughs> why he's not part of that when they take out the Scolari brothers. But uh, right. well, I'm he wasn't arrested. With yes, them. he wasn't. Yeah. Well, they, I know that. Yeah, and he couldn't he couldn't do anything to help the with the Scolari brothers because they only had the three proton packs that oh. were yeah. evidence. Um, yeah. but yeah, you have to like really watch to see him do that. Yes, and then you know later on, like you know, he goes to investigate this the slime river and he falls in. Yeah, and like like give him something to do. He's a great character. He's a great actor. And like I always felt like the uh, the big moment of him um, uh, putting out the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, was there was their <laughs> consolation prize, um, which is really stupid. But, well, it's, uh, it, it's, it's it's funny if you think about it because they're like, oh my god, we're gonna burn alive. Like, wait, we forgot we have another character in this movie. Have him save us. Yeah, yeah. But I love that. Yeah, he uh, they they the fire comes and then like he breaks down the door and then we get the music. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, yeah, Winston's the hero with his fire extinguisher. Yeah. Um, it's uh, should have been in the room with them, by the way. But right. Uh, but yeah, like the you whole don't run a dark is, room without you know yeah. safety equipment. Yeah. But I love that, like, they have this the big heroic moment, which is basically just like, you know, something anyone literally could have done. Right. Um, Janine could have come up there and done it, you know? Yeah, Janine Lewis could have been there, you know? But, uh, but yeah, and it felt very consol- uh, consolatory to me where I was like, oh, and it's kind of lame. I'm like, uh, right. I'm like, I get it. He's, it's heroic. I mean, but like, they were like, you literally couldn't think of anything else for this character to do. Yeah. But save the white guys from their own stupidity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but yeah. by now like i feel like he would have been you know obviously he's not going to be a you know a phd all of a sudden but i mean yeah. he's had experience with this kind of stuff he's he's yeah. part of the team in in universe and you know you give him the jobs that they don't want to give to peter like stool sample you know <laughs> yeah right yeah i mean but it is it, it is one of those things that i think is always one of the fail failures of both films is mm-hmm. Zedmore, um it's just not given enough to do. And it's a, it's a really cringy look now mm-hmm. uh, in particular when you're yeah. like, wow, they, they literally uh, sidestep the black man right. and um, much as possible, as much as possible. Um, Which obviously and, is not their intention. It's no, just, no, it's obviously unintentional. It was just like, you know um, he was meant for a kind of a, it's one of those things I think that was, you know, the original film was the character ended up being changed to kind of a one-off gag. Right. of of being the everyman in a group of weirdos right. uh and so when we have a sequel we have to bring him back well what do we do uh he does the yeah. same uh but we have less time less need for the gag at that point um but uh so i mean it, it's it's one of those things that i think this just doesn't age well mm-hmm. no. is, and um and it's nothing it's not ernie hudson's fault ernie hudson's no. great um ernie hudson is always delightful in every movie he's ever done um exactly yeah um we talked about him when we talked about leviathan like he mm-hmm. you know he's just um a positively delightful man and although i like him more with the mustache than without i gotta admit i, 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 <laughs> I have to have the mustache yeah but uh yeah he's so he's a delightful a delightful character actor in anything he's ever written mm-hmm. um and the idea uh, of mood slime there's the idea of mood slime pretty could pretty good idea i thought i i agree it's not it handled fun. very well but well it's, yeah what is what yeah. is right. right i mean that's the big that's the big criticism i think that you could aim at ghostbusters too is that wow a lot of this is stupid right and um 
like script wise. And some of it you can blame on when we needed kids to like it, but right. some of it is also like we just didn't have a story here. Yeah. Um, you know, like we Vigo is is probably the one of the saddest villains in all of history. Um, he does he I, accomplishes very little, if anything. Yeah, there's so much build up and like, you know, as as a villain, he's like super interesting and fun in theory, and then like yeah. The ending yeah. happens and it's like nothing. Just, it's yeah, just... the 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 power of love is what solves the day, solves the problem. Right. We got a walking statue of liberty for some reason, right? Um, you know, um, the uh, but yeah, the setup of the idea of this guy, this really evil uh, sorcerer guy, is coming right. back to attack the new to attack the modern era. And he's got this, he's been planning for a while. He's got this river of slime. It's going to capitalize on all the evil, evil in the world. And his evil plan is basically possess a baby. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's. Uh, and it's not even like possess a baby and immediately become thing. Cause there's like, you know, talk of like how like he has, the baby has to be raised and everything. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's like, okay, so we have to wait 18 years after this resurrection before I can become the antichrist. Like, yeah. Right. Um, jump into bodies all day. Yeah, he want to, but you have to do a baby. He's such a fascinating looking villain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's such a you know like everything. I just about saw the the, the theatrics of him was yeah. great. You know, just he's got these big you know. I don't want to say Shakespearean because it's not at that level, but you know, it's kind of Shakespearean speeches like where he's just like you know. Uh, although Peter McNichols kills it when he starts doing the. uh the speech again he's like yes yes i mean i know yes. the scourge of carpathia yeah, yes sorrow the sorrow yes yeah. the sorrow of Moldavia. yes i know this yes <laughs> command you yes command me thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> but oh, yeah so it's yeah but yeah so i mean vigo it really doesn't accomplish much of anything um no. and it's uh and uh, I, mean, I think someone's pointed out this is also like you know he happened to pick the one damn baby that was uh, uh on first name basis with the ghostbusters um right. Instead of a random, um, as you pointed out, why the hell did he choose a baby in the first place and not like the mayor? Yeah, I like, mean, I th- I think he had to be truly reborn to possess all of his powers because my reading of this, and you know, it's just obviously mine. There's nothing in the text that explains no. it. Is that um, he's able to very short term possess people. Mm-hmm. Um, he's able to longer term but still like limited in its things um affect people um most of the time i think yanosh is not being possessed i think he's being influenced Mm -hmm. um and he's also able to temporarily give powers to people but that's temporary uh like when he shoots you know yanosh in the eyes and he becomes like he goes to see dana and he's got that weird headlight thing going on and the room which is scary as shit by the way yeah it's really (laughs) or when he turns him into the uh the ghost nanny Nanny. with the with the buggy that's that's scary as well Mm -hmm. um but i think his powers are limited due to like distance from the painting and you know just i don't know yeah i guess he has to be reborn to do everything right but it's still like you're writing this thing. You could have him do what you want. Just write it different. <laughs> right, right. That's what I mean. Is that I'm like you could have easily had um, a really, really interesting villain who is up to some really, really interesting things. I feel and... like they may have written a, a better, like a bigger ending, and then they realized that, like you know, they didn't have the budget for it or something. Well, I don't think that would have been a problem. They had all kinds of money. Um, right. 
you know, the uh, much like the first one where Columbia Pictures will, will give you like way more money than you've asked for. Well, they still had to um, cut some stuff from this. Like there was a, yeah. um, I didn't read the original script, but I, I did notice that there were like, you know, parts that were changed. Like there was more Slimer in the original script and they kind of cut that back. Yeah. And I'm sure that was probably because, you know, you don't have infinite money. You got a lot of money, especially yeah. 37 million for that in age. It's a lot of guys. That's a lot money. of money. Yeah. Um, but you know, I feel like the ending is just kind of like super weak. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They could have spent some more money on that. It's definitely a huge third act problem for sure. Right. Um, and, uh, it, you know, and even, even with the other two acts aren't exactly, I mean, I feel like Ghostbusters 2 is a movie that's like its first act is really strong. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like you pointed out, like seeing what they've been up to, right? Uh, rediscovering the re- reconnecting and, and moving towards a goal is really is all very interesting stuff, right? And then the rest of the movie happens, yeah. and it's uh, it's a little bit weak. It's uh, it still works and it's still charming <clears throat> because we like these people, right? Um, and we like this cast, and um, you know, but they're really, being pulled. They're being pulled like five different ways. Yes. You know? Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so, I mean, we do have some great, we do have some good character arcs. Mostly only Bankman really gets one. Right. Um, which isn't super, well, it's, which is sort of like the original. I mean, the original is, if you want to get intellectual of Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot with Bill Murray as Peter Venkman, um going, and it, it works really well. It's something I was thinking about today when I was preparing for this recording, which was the idea that, okay, Peter Venkman's arc in the first movie is mm-hmm. moving from a thoroughly unscrupulous uh, con man right. to the guy who wants, who is actually willing to cross the streams, even though it'll call the killer. Right. Um, and, um, and resulting in one of my favorite moments of all time, of course, which is, you know, see on the other side, Ray. Ray says, right. nice work with you, Dr. Venkman. And he side-eyes him. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the seriousness of of the scenario really comes across on Bill Murray's right. face. Um, and then I love that we we get back to him in part two, which is the idea of it reminded me of um, it's a scene in Preacher Jesse mm-hmm. with Jesse Custer, the comic book, um, where after everything's falling apart and he's by himself, and someone makes a, cl- a crack about him being a hero, and he says, "I'm not a hero. Tried it once, right. it didn't take." Um, right comes to mind every time I watch Ghostbusters 2 now, which is very much that we get the idea that Pete Bankman was like, oh, I went, yeah, I went, I, I went through a whole growth process. Right. And the result was everybody hating me. Right. Um, I'm going to go, I'm just going to not do that anymore. And, and so you get the idea that like he's, it, it, it hurt him really badly. Mm-hmm to uh to find out that his heroism meant nothing right and so obviously that's what kills his relationship with dana is that if he's got to go back to being a con man being with dana is not going to work right uh and i i I always my head canon is that he he self-sabotaged you know that his inability well i don't i don't think that's head canon i think that's actually you know stated in the script almost Mm -hmm. um you know when he's She's like, you know, I asked you when you were going to marry me, and you just kept falling asleep. And yeah, then you started referring me as the ball and chain. Yeah. And I said, mm, it's time to leave, you know? Yeah. And he regrets it. Um, right. You know, but yeah, I love the idea that we have Bankman. It's something that I saw pointed out online. I don't want to take credit for this observation, mm-hmm. but at the end, when they get out of the um, mental institution, 
Right. Uh, and Lewis is giving them the rundown of what's going on. If you actually are paying attention, like Peter mm-hmm. is dressed and out halfway out the door before he even finishes. Right. Um, where it's like uh, baby Oscar is in trouble. Peter is already out the door. Yeah. Like he's ready to go um, faster than any of the rest. And, uh, and again, his performance goes a lot. Like the, um, the speech he gives to Vigo is kind of narny and it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny, but it's also, uh, Bill Murray's giving you way more than that material deserves. Right. With his, you know, um, you are, you know, that kind of, you are a piece of shit speech that yeah. he gives. Um, it's silly. And you could tell it was rewritten. Right. For a PG. I think as you probably did. I, I feel like in the original script, you probably called him a piece of shit. You know, right. there's probably some cursing involved, but he gives, there's such anger that Murray's delivering underneath what is basically you do do head. Um, you know it's it's playground stuff but he's so furious where he's like you threatened my kid i'm gonna i am gonna fuck you up and he's like and it's a uh and he's thinking the whole time where he's like crawling towards him as best he can they all can't move he's crawling towards him because he knows that the kid's gonna drop and he's got to be there to attach the kid like it's it's a lot of wonderful stuff that bill murray's doing um that is la- that is still landing, even though I think the script was rewritten to be more accessible to a younger yeah. viewer who wasn't following along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, an eight-year-old kid in the audience like myself at the time probably mm-hmm. is able to basically understand uh, parental concern for child. Right. But as a but it's only when you become an adult do you realize how much what's going on with Peter right? with all of that, the, the bonding with this baby and what that means for him and what it, what that baby represents, which is the life I could have had. Yeah. Um, all of that. Yeah, it's that. important that this, this kid isn't even really his kid. Like he just, yeah. he's bonded with it. And he, yeah. he wants to protect it, you know, out of a, you know, paternal instinct. Um, and, yeah. you know, because he cares about data and, you know, he cares about this, this kid now. Yeah. Um, it's actually it actually works a little bit better that it isn't his kid because it makes him more noble even yes yeah that he's choosing mm-hmm. he's chosen um, right. uh husband and father um versus his more uh freewheeling behavior at the beginning right uh which is more in line with who he was at the beginning of the first ghostbusters except maybe worse because he we know he can be better right um and he knows he can be better but he's chosen not to be yeah. Um, and by the way, one of my favorite sequences in any movie ever is the game show. Is the is the show is uh, World of the Cycle right. is deeply funny. Um, it's yeah. wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, you know, like uh, how insulting he is yeah. to these poor people who are going to show like Valentine's Day. Bummer. Bummer. Yeah, it's <laughs> even like doing comic takes to the camera in Europe. Right. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's some of my favorite stuff, and it's it's very funny. Um, well, then, it, then it's followed up with the stuff with Egon, which is equally funny. Like yes. it's just, yeah. I feel like this this to me is Egon's show. Um, in the first, I'm, I'm with Winston, and in this one, like Egon, I'm all about Egon. In this one, because he's just like so goddamn funny, and he knows it. Yeah. This one, <laughs> um, yeah. Harold Ramis is doing some wonderful comic comics like, comedy. In this like movie. when he's doing the the test on the people, um, you know, in the marriage counseling where they keep yeah. in the waiting room forever, and then they have like you know the girl with the puppy and like you see him doing the different things and then like when data starts asking him 
about Peter, like immediately you see him, his mind going to wait, I can get readings off of this as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where he has that part where like, Oh, does, does he ever ask about me? And he's like, he's behind her back and he points that thing at her. He's just like, yeah. no, no. And he's, he's scanning her at the time. Yeah. It's, it's great. Also, I mean, his, uh, uh, his fish out of water stuff at the courtroom stuff is fun as well. Like, um, right. you know, they, they're laughing and he's ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, they, uh, do do re me and it's uh, Egon. Right. And they look at him and he has that sheepish look on his face. And he's got, like, he's got such a killer look at his face. And when yeah. he does that too, it's like, just like, he knows he's, yeah, he's, he's great at it. Um, well, yeah. And it, it, it was nice to see Harold Ramis do some, do some real, do some fun stuff yeah yeah because he's very funny he's been funny in other stuff in the past as well yeah and egon's a funny character because of how you know dry and you know scientific he is but to see him kind of stretch to doing straight comedy like where like he knows he's doing comedy and character i mean yeah um is a big step for his character i think too um the, the part where they get stopped by the police because they're you know digging a giant hole in the middle of the street yeah and you know he's like yo boss and he turned into like you know this teamster guy um immediately and badly right yeah well they're all bad at it (laughs) they're all yo he thumbs up yo um but yeah i love uh it the courtroom scene's really good too it's a really just a good like i said the first act of this movie i think is really really solid yeah um getting them back in it's only when they kind of get to become ghostbusters again that the movie kind of starts to collapse right um but i mean like and i think that the last real great scene in the movie is the um is the courtroom scene mm-hmm. with harris Eulen, uh, another great character actor playing right. uh, the hammer um the judge who who right um if lewis were a better lawyer uh would probably have gotten them his just his behavior probably would have gotten them off but because uh, <laughs> right. what he's doing is really really terrible um but uh but yeah i love uh i love that old scene you know peter uh leading 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 the witness uh um, right you know it's all very funny um <clears throat> he, was le- he was leading his lawyer not the witness yes. that, that was yeah. always what's funny to well, me. they call it they call it that's yeah what they call it they're like right. he's leading the witness and he's like well actually no it's the other right. witness is leading the lawyer uh because lewis is is remarkably bad at it whereas right. peter is not peter knows how to talk his way through things but um and even hits on the prosecutor which is gross peter vankman yeah um close our kitten kitten Kitten. i think what i'm saying is um but yeah it's 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 a great scene um the scolari brothers i think are a good effect they Mm -hmm. they work pretty well um they uh, i remember as a kid thinking they were the coolest thing um yeah but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 such an interesting little movie that works better than I think it probably should. Right. Um, it's not great. Like right. you know, like I said, we got you know you got a a third act set piece involving the Statue of Liberty walking around. Um, right. And like I said, Janos is just sort of sprayed with nice slime, and they're just like, okay, I guess you're forgiven for right. selling out the human race. Um, uh, and there's a lot of stuff here that really clearly is written is overly simplified right for an eight-year-old um and uh and maybe some of that works some of it doesn't i think it 
I think some of the film's more charming aspects are as a, as a result of right. uh, the movie being made a little bit more kid friendly. I think the the subway station sequence, which mm-hmm. is very, is probably the scariest thing in the movie. They have the separate heads, right, and stuff, but um, they have a but the, it's it's very. I think it's a very charming sequence, even though it's clearly written for eight year olds. Like they, they, two PhDs are suddenly really excited about hearing their own echo, um, <laughs> you know, um, and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a cute movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have any other, any other uh, talking points you wanted to get out? No, I mean, I, 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 we always try to figure out if something's like over or underrated, but like, mm. you know, this was so mixed that it's hard to tell. Because uh, there's I think so it's people, just there's a lot. Yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a lot of people who think it's like you know just terrible. And there's a lot of people who think it's just as good as the first, and it, it's neither of those things. It's yeah. a. It's a. It's a. It's a good movie. It's not a great movie. You know, it's not it's Ghostbusters, a, but no, it's know, good, it's good. Yeah, it's it's one of my. It's probably a favorite of mine to just kind of throw on. Um, right. You know, it's a good. You know, and and by that I mean literally like I watch the first act, enjoy myself, right. and then zone out. Right, right, and it's just sort of like there's Ghostbusters on. Oh, we do we want to talk about Bobby Brown? Um, sure, yeah, but yeah, the uh, this is also um, at the, kind of the beginning of motion picture soundtracks kind of becoming a thing, right? Around 1989, it was definitely coming back to be a big thing with you yeah. know, videos and all that. Um, but I mean, there was a big thing like in the mid 80s, still, I mean, you know. Uh, yeah the whole back to the future power of love um, yeah was pretty big and of course ghostbusters the the theme song by ray parker jr mm-hmm. was huge um but to actually put him in the put you know bobby brown in the movie and then have the song that you know mm-hmm. was a little bit a little bit much maybe but yeah well yeah because he does the song on our own right um which plays i think twice in the film well, he does. Uh, uh, he does two songs. I can't remember the name of the other one. Though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, doesn't matter. But anyway, it has a rap in it. It's fun. Right. Um, you know, like too hot to handle, too cold. To <laughs> call the Ghostbusters and the in control. I right. have to throw a potty for a bunch of children. Uh, I my my least favorite thing in the world is '80s soundtracks that have to rap about what the movie you're watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, and there's two talked, of them in this. We've talked about this in the past because yes, there's a Run DMC song at the end credits that do it as well. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like come on and they run back to back during the credits and i'm like come on we i, I watched the movie i know what i saw yeah, <laughs> stop, yeah. please but yeah but bobby brown's on her own actually literally has the rap that actually describes the plot of the movie mm-hmm. including the fact that there are birthday parties for children right um it's it's remarkable um and it's, <laughs> it's a good it's, track though i mean yeah it's it's very bouncy it's it's yeah. very bouncy it's very catchy uh, I almost guarantee if you watch the movie and actually listen to the song while it's on, you will have it in your head for a couple of days. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, well, uh, it's, it's up it's, to us. We've got to take, take it home. It's just a shame about that video having Donald Trump in it. Yeah. That's the music mean. video has a uh, Donald Trump, which, you yeah. know, that that'll down the room immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You just brought me down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I'll spray it down with the good slime, and then we'll but be also, right. but also, I mean, Bobby Brown should be enough to bring it down as well. But uh, you know, right. 
but uh, well, this my, was after he just left. Like, what was a new edition or whatever? He, he yeah, wasn't, he wasn't a bad guy. Then. No, yeah, that uh, we know of. That we know of, anyway. But yeah, he would be later. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, but it is. Uh, it's such a. It's such a unique song um mm -hmm. that uh is very late 1980s um right uh was mc hammer around yet in 89 no no, uh, this maybe, was probably, well, yeah. no he would have been he yeah been. i think he would have been right? um because he had the adams family rap around the same time didn't he that had to have been around the same time yeah i did um i don't know yeah. i do remember um this was the the first time i realized that the soundtrack and the score were two different things because <laughs> yeah. um, I tried to buy the score to this and to Batman with a gift certificate I got for Christmas and I bought the soundtracks and I was very upset yeah because <laughs> yes yeah, they're not the same thing guys <laughs> yeah uh, although the Prince soundtrack is pretty good this actually would uh just to just to follow up uh mm -hmm. MC Hammer was around but his his uh heyday would not happen for another year Okay, so, nine, so 90, the yeah, heartbeat 90, right 91. before in 1990, please hammer, don't hurt him comes out. Right, and uh, and then in 91, but, too legit to quit. So I I did want to now that we talk about it, I did want to mention that I don't think the score for this is very strong. No, compared to the first, I mean, the first is a banger, and this is just kind of there. Yeah, this one doesn't have much of a score. Um, no, there's a song by Oingo Boingo in it. Um, I saw that in the credits. Really? I just don't know where it is. Yeah, I think like they, I think they may have recorded like Dana's theme or something, which is right, like the only good piece of music in the movie. Um, yeah, because it doesn't have like you know the, the, I mean the score for the first is like one of the best. I think it's um, a very good score. Yeah, it's got it's got all those playful moments and then it does the big moments. Yeah, there's like none of that in this, and it's like just like no, it's like they just said give me a score for any movie ever. Yeah. Which I, th I think, you know, at least subconsciously undercuts a lot of this movie because yeah. the score, you know, is so important to how we process films. Yeah. I'm trying to look up who did the score for the first one. Uh, looks, the first one's Elmer Bernstein. Uh, right. He, he did, yeah. Uh, let's see, Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. Um, yeah, we've got. We've got songs by Bobby Brown, New Edition, James Taylor, James uh, Taylor. Bobby Brown, or James T James J T Taylor. I think that might be oh. different James Taylor, Dougie Fresh, and the Get Fresh Crew, <laughs> uh, doing the song Spirit, which I rather like. Right. Spirit. Some people hear it. Spirit. People fear. Spirit. <laughs> okay. People won't yeah. go near it. Uh, there's a song called Flesh and Blood by Oingo Boingo. I don't oh, know right. What it is? Uh, Glenn Fry. Well, this, like uh, you said, this was back when they started like really going back into um, trying to sell soundtracks um, yes. for films. So, like a lot of times, you know, some of the soundtrack titles will just be like two seconds in the background. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Wingo Boingo did one song, um, but yeah, it's. Uh... I think the guy who scored the original Ghostbusters, I think he was working on uh, My Left Foot or something at the time they were doing this. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, uh, score, um, but yeah, like uh, uh, Randy Edelman did. Okay, just really two. Um, but yes, uh, there's very little talk about him anywhere. It's all the soundtrack. Oh, well, um, okay. Uh, but it was Edelman's first experience. One of Edelman's first 
uh, scores ever done. Hmm. Uh, and um, but yeah, he did he did the score, uh, forty five minutes of it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it, you're right; it's very not present. In no. Um, you know what's present is uh, the. It, uh, I mean, it's it's it hits the beats and it's fine, but it doesn't have character of its own, which I think no. just. You no. know, it was such an indelible part of the first that, like, they kind of dropped the ball on this one, I think. I agree. Yeah. And but it I mean, might not even be the, you know, it might not even be his fault. It might no. just be. The studio you know. may have just said, we don't care about the score. Yeah. I mean, right. like, we, 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 one of the things that's been established is that ostensibly a lot of people's work probably didn't get shown on this movie. Right. Because, um, I mean, despite having, you know, five years between movies, like, this came together and, you know, was needed in front of screens relatively fast for a movie yes. like this. Yeah. Yeah, for a big yeah, they, picture, yeah. ILM, ILM had to farm out a lot of their effects to other crews because they just didn't have the time yeah. know, to do it. Yep, wanted it out by summer, summer release in 89. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, back when such things mattered. Um, right. Well, releases still matter, but, you know, where they're released, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, now it more it's more release date stuff is more based around, it's less around, like, we need a big summer blockbuster and more, like, what else is out? Right. Uh, well, yeah. they moved this. They moved this one a few times because of what else was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they pushed it back. Um, I want to say like two or three times, because um, you know I think the, at first they're like, "Oh, we're too close to Indiana Jones." They're like, "Oh, this Batman thing is getting a lot of you know money poured into marketing. We need to move it away from that." Yeah. And I think it ended up being like a month prior to what they originally wanted. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. poor UHF. The poor UHF. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know what anybody expected to be UHF. But, um, <laughs> I, I like. I love UHF just fine. But right. You no. Know, uh, I don't know if that was. If anybody really would have thought that was going to be a big one. No, I think they thought they were going to have a hit on their hand. You know, not a blockbuster, but yeah. yeah. It got buried. I mean, just. Oh yeah. Destroyed. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a tough summer. Right. I mean, as we just noted, I mean, like yeah. you were up against up against Spielberg and right. and uh, the and, and, and you know the Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got all this Batman stuff out, and... Yeah, you got all that stuff out. That's gonna that's gonna <laughs> right. get audiences to join. But um, but yeah, so uh, Ghostbusters two. It's uh, it's uh, it's a pretty it's it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, we've we've. Uh, I think we've broken it down about as much as we possibly can. Uh, obviously we've both seen this movie a million times and, right. um, and so it's rather difficult to kind of talk about, I think because it's so familiar. Um, right. Yeah. You might as well, you know, describe going to the bathroom. Like we do <laughs> right. 40,000 times a day. Or, or ask me, ask me to, you know, like critique uh, like transformers or, or he-man. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of there. Yeah, I mean, the only way I could really, like I said, the only way I could really do it is like think about what aspects of this movie do I not normally think about and try to right. focus on them. And I was like, well, Janos, um, you know, uh, Vigo, uh, right. you know, uh, the other characters. Um, Becky, Becky, uh, Janine, and uh, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, any last uh, any last thoughts on Ghostbusters two before we wrap up? Uh, no, no, we covered everything. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to eventually seeing um, the new one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to be like one of those people who like, like you know, I, I'm looking forward to hating it, but like doesn't 
it's not speaking to me as far as uh, what I've seen, but uh, I I look forward to and being even, wrong. Yeah, and other <laughs> other fans of it, uh, other people that have have seen it that I know are like Ghostbusters fans haven't said particularly overwhelmingly good things about it. That right, right. I'm a little little apprehensive, but um, but yeah, I mean at the same time, I'm I I will never be the guy who hates the movie before it comes out before I see right. it. So, um, but uh, I mean, and I liked. Uh, I don't care. I like Ghostbusters 2018. Right. I don't. I don't care who knows it. Um, 2016. 2016. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, oh like, my it god! Was, it was ten years ago. Whatever. I'm. Yeah. I don't. I wasn't a fan of it. I. I liked it. It was okay. But I didn't. You know, didn't stick with me. Yeah. Um, but I am like kind of pissed off that they didn't include it in this new Ultimate Collection. Yes. I'm like, I what agree. the fuck? Um, I agree. And then they then they went back and said, "Oh well, we'll give you a digital copy of that." Like. Dude, it's Ghostbusters. Put it in the collection. Put it in the collection. Yeah. It's I've ridiculous. Seen, yeah, I've seen some people also say, why the hell isn't the animated series in it if you're going to create an ultimate collection? Right. Um, you know, um, which, by the way, Ghostbusters, the animated series, does not have a f- one full collected edition, I don't think. It just has, like, no different different DVDs on it. I think they did a... I think their first release uh, was a full one. That was the one that came in the Firehouse box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that thing's like just stupid expensive. Um, they yeah. are. They have been releasing the episodes on um, YouTube. Yes, Hasbro has been. Yeah, along with uh, Transformers. Um, yeah. So check them out on there because that show is fucking great. Yeah, the animated series, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, not all of it, but yeah, there no. are episodes. There are episodes of that show that will, I think, will that will live forever. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had to do like what, like thirty to fifty episodes of a cartoon per season, so they're not yeah. all going to be, you know, yeah. knocking them out they of the could, park. J. Michael Straczynski couldn't write them all, okay? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, um, but uh, and then a funny story. I actually asked J. Michael Straczynski if he ever, if they ever won an Emmy, and right. he said they they were nominated several times, but never actually won for that animated mm-hmm. series. Um, which is because they shocking. were doing work. They were doing work like above and beyond, like Saturday morning cartoons at the time, like. If anybody is who's our age, you know, yeah, we don't have to tell you that they, they mostly they were fucking terrible. They were terrible. Um, yeah. And then you always had the real Ghostbusters to look forward to, right? And they would usually have and, you know, some really, really phenomenal episodes. Even the Transformers series, which is like you know my all-time favorite, the cartoon series, like mm. a lot of that's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Ghostbusters. A lot of that is actually really good. What is really good next level stuff? Yeah. yeah, for Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess that about wraps us up for Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Uh, and for uh at the Devil's Ball 2021. Um so uh 2022 is gonna be a good year, guys. Let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's the thing that uh, a lot of people are talking about already. Like, you know, I'm not even gonna bother saying 2022 is gonna be my year, and I'm like, I'm gonna say it's gonna be my year. Right. Because if maybe if it's nobody else's year, yeah. I'll I'll win and I'll, I'll it'll be my right. um, you know there's you know even if you have to you know resort to you know singing the mountain goats um, I'm gonna make it through this year if it kills me <clears throat> go for it you know it's it's yeah we it's up to us mainly to see who we got a good year or a bad year yeah so let's make it a good one but try our up, hardest and it's up to us we gotta take it on yeah <laughs> da 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 um uh try to battle my boys that's not ego um or whatever the hell it goes 
think legal, but yeah, he's, wild about he's, wild about Vigo, the master of evil, trying to battle my boys. That's not legal. Uh, he, he's smudging some of the uh, some of the rhymes. I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah. Well, he's throwing party for a bunch of children. Sounds like throwing parties for anchovies. Um, right. But um, which is that's better. Um, that's a, but, that's a New Year's celebration that never took on. Yeah. <laughs> anchovy up. parties. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, but yeah. So uh, thank you very much for listening as always. Um, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to 2022. I think we're going to have a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, so stick with us. Um, hopefully we'll have some exciting stuff coming up. And uh, so thank you very much for listening, um, for making our 2021 great. And um, we'll see you on down the road. So uh, remind yourself, as always, keep it positive, keep it constructive, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans. Um, and uh, just be safe out there, get vaccinated, wear your masks. Um, and, uh, and we'll see you in 2022. So uh, thank you very much. Good night. And namaste. Thank you.